Well, hello, everybody. I don't have any of the fancy music this time, and I am not entirely sure any of you can hear me. So this is kind of how stuff goes when you are learning on the fly. So you are listening to Smalley Marriage Radio. I am your host, Michael Smalley, and forgive me as I try to make sure and test that this thing is working indeed. All right. Well, Sounds like the microphone is indeed working. So let me let you know the call-in number. So if you'd like to call in and talk with me and ask any relationship question you may have, all you have to do is pick up that phone and dial 646-668-8385. Once again, that call-in number is 646-668-8385. So I look forward to some of your calls. I will be giving, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I obviously have things to talk about, especially if you've looked at the show notes. But feel free to interrupt at any time. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, the big news of the day obviously, is Dr. Larry Nasser, and this is on the heels, of course, of the big hashtag MeToo movement, where many people in sports and Hollywood and uh, news and television and movies, I mean, everywhere, people are getting in trouble, in particular men who have been abusing their powers for far too long. And, you know, things are finally starting to get Confronted. This has been that dirty little secret, especially within the Hollywood and, and athletic arenas, where we kind of all knew it was going on, but you know there was never really a safe place for the victims to be able to, you know, hold these predators accountable. And most recently, Dr. Larry Nasser has been dominating the news, and uh, obviously it's horrendous. It's terrifying. It's horrific. Everything you're hearing, I mean, I was reading a an ESPN article recently, and it, I mean, it's just disturbing. We're talking more than 150 women who tried reporting him, and he did this for years and years. And in this article, it's on uh, ESPN.com today. And I just want to read a quote because this is from one of his victims. And I want to read this because it's important. It's important to hear this. I thought it was raw. I thought it was unbelievably honest of this woman to come forward so many years later and share her experience. But here's a quote from the ESPN article. Jane remembers the linoleum floor in the bathroom of Larry Nasser's apartment. She remembers feeling strange as he walked in and handed her gymnastics magazines to read as she lay fully naked in his bathtub. She was 12 or 13. She can't recall exactly. My heavens. Apparently, he was having some of these young girls, these budding gymnastics stars, would come to his apartment, and he would do all sorts of craziness. And he tried to make it look like science, and of course, we all know it wasn't. And he and he was a he was a monster, really. And at the end of the day, he was a monster. And this is just one story. I, I just ah oh, the pain that you have to overcome and the size of a trial that this is 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 really overwhelming. I just I can't imagine that memory. 
a, a linoleum floor and lying naked in a bathtub. And man, this is just a glimpse into the world of a child who's being abused by someone. And I just want to encourage everyone, don't shy away. Don't shy away from understanding. Don't shy away from these ladies' stories. I think a lot of times when stuff like this goes down and these horrific things happen, we, you know, we tend to not want to know and, and we want to turn our head or we want to close our eyes or we want to plug our ears like we're in a scary movie. But these stories matter. And I think it also matters that you can understand what really goes on and you can get a glimpse into the hurt and the abuse that goes on for these precious kids that get taken advantage of by adults that they, you know, they think they're supposed to be able to trust. And it just doesn't, oh, I mean, as sickening as all this is to me, I couldn't be more, I couldn't be happier that it's finally coming out into the light. I mean, these things, There, I mean, there's some research that it, it's just, overwhelming to think of how many people go through this as a kid and so many kids never report it so we we probably can't ever really know the the specific number or the percentages of children or even adults who get taken advantage of by predators and who get wounded sexually Oh, but I'm happy because it's finally getting, they're finally getting their day in court, right? And I don't know if any of you saw the court trial that was actually put on TV, I think. I don't know if it was live or if I was just seeing, you know, snippets or edited video from the trial. But being able to see those young ladies get up on the stand and, and look this, this monster in the eye and let him know how it hurt and let him know how he negatively impacted their life. It's incredible that this stuff is finally getting out and people finally have a voice. It's just oh, it's sad that it took this long for it to happen, but it's finally happening. And so it's a, it's going to be an important topic. And I know I'm a father. I have three children and Oh, I mean, thankfully, none of my children have been hurt in that manner. But as a father, oh, God, it's just sickening. It's sickening what happens. And so today I wanted to not only obviously take your phone calls, but I want to talk with you a little bit about what it looks like to, or, or how you can protect your child, right? So, you know, just, again, this Larry Nasser disaster, right, this catastrophe, we're talking 150 women, the U.S. Gymnastics Association seemingly ignored them, the NCAA ignored these girls, Michigan State ignored these girls, and this is just these three organizations. You know, I went and graduated from Baylor University, and you know, we not too long ago were also embroiled in a sex scandal where our football coach was hiding and defending and protecting guys that were committing uh, sexual crimes against girls on campus. So that's Baylor University. I, I mean, I you, you have to start thinking now that this this is a perverse problem. It's happening everywhere, and what? You know, as a loving parent, what are you going to do? I mean, when, when you have these these organizations and the leadership in these organizations totally ignoring victims, you know, what do you got to do? Because this is your kid. So you're going to have to take responsibility for the protection of your child. And, and, and frankly, your child is going to have to learn how to take ownership and, and take responsibility for their protection. I, I don't say that in the sense that children are at fault because no, they're not. But at the same time, they need to be taught how to keep themselves safe and how to protect themselves if they ever get or find themselves in this kind of 
terrible situation. You know, I was listening to Dan Levitard earlier today, and he had a former athlete sharing how he got in trouble by the NCAA for taking coffee from the coach's office. So he'd go into the coach's office, he'd get some coffee, and then he'd run off to practice. The NCAA compliance officer for the school he was at, I believe he went to Penn State, had him come in, confronted him, and said, this has to stop. You're breaking the rules. Over stale coffee from a coach's office. So it, it seems like the NCAA organization is so broken. I'm just voting today. I'm voting right now that we need to get rid of them. This is ridiculous. They punish these student athletes for the stupidest thing. You know, they got a bagel. This kid's getting a coffee out of the coach's office. And, you know, it's ridiculous things. You call them after 7 p.m. You know, whatever it is, how is it that – Schools, universities, athletes get in trouble for those kinds of activities. But no, no. And, you know, when a young lady approaches school leadership or the NCAA and says, hey, I was sexually assaulted. No, suddenly no one knows what to do. And suddenly, no, you know, there is no confrontation. And all of a sudden people aren't being fired and schools aren't being put on probation. And what in the world? What is the NCAA doing? I'm fired up. It really is ridiculous. I I cannot conceive how they will put so much attention. And it kind of shows you, I mean, you know, I'm a pastor. I've got my PhD in marriage and family. And I mean, it shows you just by how someone reacts to things. It shows you where their heart is. And I mean, the NCAA's heart to me looks really dark right now because they apparently care more about the trivial than they do the significant, right? They care more about an athlete and threatening an athlete that he's going to get in trouble if he keeps going in and getting that coffee than they do the young lady who comes to them terrified, humiliated, feeling ashamed, and, I mean, the whole myriad of emotions and and reports a a sex crime that was committed against her. Well, that one, we don't know what to do, right? That one, we're going to kick on down the road and we're going to turn a blind eye or we're going to have a deaf ear to her problem. But, oh, no, all these other things, oh, that really matters. Good grief. It's really disgusting. And I didn't realize how aggressive I would get on a live, <laughs> on a live show. So none of you may actually call in today because you might be afraid of how I, um, you know, how I might react to your question. But I promise you this is a safe place. Smalley Marriage Radio is committed to helping you build a better relationship. So I'm going to send out some some social media. I've got a wonderful app uh, for any smart device called Reignite Your Marriage. And I'm going to be sending out some notices uh, to get the word out so that you can give me a call because no one's called yet. So it feels like I'm just talking to nobody. And granted, my, you know, my ADD is in full swing because I really did nothing to prepare my audience or, my, you know, the, the fans on social media that I'd be doing this. So as I'm talking here, I'm realizing I should, I should probably put some notifications out there through all the different places with the phone number, which, again, if you're listening, you can give me a call at 646-668-8385. And if you have the Reignite Your Marriage app, you are about to get a push notification. So here we go. Let's see. What should I write here? Uh, You know, I'm in my system here. It says notification text. Uh, I am taking your calls live. Right now, call me at, uh oh, that is not the number. That would be the link. So they can call me and I will hopefully get some calls here from the push notification. All right, I'm, ta- I'm taking your calls live. We're editing. Live on air right now. 
Call me at 646-668-8385 to talk live. All right. Here we go. Let's just, uh, let's do it. Let's send it. All right. There it goes. First little, uh, first little announcement is on its way. So, okay. So we're talking about how to, you know, how do you protect your children from a predator? That's kind of the topic today because, yeah, good grief. You can't watch the news without a new person being accused or you just continue to hear the terrible details of the Larry Nasser case. And I just get getting more and more worked up. And so if you're wanting to protect your children from a child predator, then, you know, the first thing that I want to encourage you is all you can do is your best. So what I mean is that obviously our job as a parent is to protect our children. That, I mean, we, we, well, we obviously, we need to love them. But, you know, until they're 18 at least, our job is to protect them, protect them from their own ridiculously stupid decisions that kids will make, and then to protect them from the world at large where there are some people who are either just messed up and dysfunctional and broken or all the way down to evil, and they're going to want to do harm to our children, and our job is to protect them. But the reality is we can only do our best. That's it. And so where I have experienced, you know, parents over the years, I've been helping people for over 20 years now, is when their child, you know, my wife actually had a client once who's, uh, I think her daughter's around five. They were in church. That church and the daughter had to go to the bathroom and the mom didn't want to have to get up and hassle with it. So she's like, go to the bathroom go, you can go. And, and the daughter's like, I don't want to go alone. She's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to have to go with you. You're fine. You're totally fine. You can do this. You're a big girl. Go to the bathroom. And so reluctantly, her daughter went, got up by herself and went to the bathroom. And to the mother's horror, there was a child predator. I think sitting behind them, maybe a row behind or in front of them, who overheard the conversation and when the little girl got up, this guy got up, and she was attacked in the bathroom at church. And that is not to obviously discourage church. I mean, I think the point of that illustration is that, man, it can happen anywhere, and you can only do your best. Now, some of you listening are going to want to judge harshly that mom who kind of pushed and cajoled her daughter to go to the bathroom on her own. And I know many of you moms in particular are horrified because you would never let your daughter or young child go alone to the bathroom for that very reason, but easy. You know, be careful not to judge too quickly because obviously this mom didn't dream in a million years that there would be someone who would want to harm her daughter sitting right there that could hear the conversation and then do what he did. So it's it's not like, I mean, some of these things are just terrible. And, you know, the, a, a big part of her healing was being able to forgive herself. And, and because the blame, again, still lies with the predator. Now, obviously... Do we want to be sending our five-year-old kids alone to the bathroom? No. But, you know, you can also over overreact. And you can hear a story like I just shared, or you can get stressed out by the, you know, Dr. Nasser junk. And you can overcompensate. And you can smother your children. And you can become a helicopter parent. And, you know, they're never allowed to go anywhere by themselves. And, you know, that's not healthy either. So, and that's what's really sad, I think, is how sometimes we judge other parents, right? You know, something terrible happens, and everybody, it's it's like Monday morning quarterbacking, right? It's like, man, I'm just very slow 
to judge people's decisions in crisis situations or after the fact. I mean, obviously, what ended up happening to the daughter, it would be easy for me to say, oh, my gosh, who would let their daughter go alone? That is so irresponsible. And I've let my children go plenty of times at the same age in public places alone to the bathroom and nothing ever happened. So, you know, careful. And, and it's one of the tragedies, especially about sexual abuse or sexual violence against people is, is, is the judgment many times the victims have to endure from, you know, quote unquote, good people around them who want to go, how dare you and how could you and you're a lazy parent or an irresponsible parent or you're a bad parent. And, and they're making those judgments. Just understand, if that's you, you're feeling convicted, you're making that judgment after the fact, which is easy, right? I mean, that's easy. And even when you think of some of these allegations that get brought up, right? I mean, maybe we could, I could use the Joe Paterno example, right? That head football coach who's passed away now, but you know, a gigantic child uh, sex scandal with one of his assistant coaches. And, you know, when his assistant coach came and said, hey, listen, I saw Coach so-and-so, I don't know why I'm blanking on the guy's name now, but I saw him naked in the showers with a kid. And and apparently Joe Paterno was, Coach Paterno was told this on a Friday, and he didn't report it till a Monday. And people want to judge that. They want to go, oh, my, how could you do that? Oh, it's it's always going to be more complicated. I mean, yeah, we all love to sit here in judgment and go, well, if that was me, I would make every conceivable correct decision, right? And we don't take into a fact, into accord that, you know, Joe had known that guy for a long time. They've been family friends for a long time. And that would be crazy information to get. And what do you do with it? Because let's not forget, I've counseled parents, I've counseled fathers whose daughters or sons had accused them of abusing them, and it was totally not true. And so that does happen. That is reality. And I just want to have grace with people because you, you, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. And, and, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is you don't know what you would do especially in a situation you have never faced before. So be careful. And I think this attitude of judgment a lot of times is what keeps a lot of these sex crimes in the dark and hidden and why, why people are scared to share them because a lot of times they're, they're met with that, like how dare you accuse and who do you think you are? And boy, you'd better be right. Cause if you're lying about this, I mean, they kind of got to go through shame and, condemnation all over again. You know, the who, who's the director? Woody Allen. Oh, it was on, I think, NBC Today news show. And, of course, Woody Allen's adopted daughter that he had adopted with Mia Farrow. She has accused him for years that he molested her, I think, when she was, you know, when she was a young girl and living in his home. And I mean, the police, even in the report, said there's certainly evidence to support filing a crime, but we're going to choose not to, right? And and then you got, oh, my heavens, you got people like um, Diane Keaton came out in Woody Allen's defense, saying he's my friend and I choose to believe him. I'm not saying she doesn't have the right to do that, but this is kind of a problem around sex crimes is oftentimes the victims of sex crimes get re-victimized when they do try to share and they, and they get told they're a liar and they're a manipulator and they're just immature and they just get blasted out of the water. And I got so angry. I mean, I, I, well, I guess in full disclosure, I basically started yelling at the television at NBC news anchor and because especially like in that case with Woody Allen, because we know, come on, really? Isn't this the guy who adopted 
the girl from Asia at a pretty young age and then married her at a really, really, really young age. So you're really telling me that it is completely, completely impossible or ridiculous to maybe take this adopted daughter's word that she was messed with. I mean, really? We're, we're there? There's going to be, because I know there's another celebrity, you know, the guy who does 30 Rock. I really should put some of these in my notes so I don't forget all the names. Who's the, uh, it's the guy, the main guy that was on 30 Rock, who was the boss. You know, he came out in defense of Woody Allen. And he came out strong. I mean, I, I wish I was his PR manager and go, dude, what are you doing, man? Why, you know, why do you have to get so aggressive towards this young lady? Oh, well, she's a woman now. It's like, what in the world? She does. She wants to be. Why? Here's my question. Why would she be lying about this? And maybe there's details I don't know. But man, really. You're going to come to the defense this strongly of a man who married a girl that he had adopted when she was, I don't even remember. I'm going to have to look that up. I'm looking it up right now because this is, this is ridiculous. Uh, what age did Woody Allen marry his adopted daughter? How crazy is that? Right? What a crazy thing to Google. And I spelled Allen wrong. It's A-L-L-E-N, by the way. Yeah, here's the first thing, July 30th, 2015. Woody Allen's relationship with Soon Yi is creepier. It is, uh, what does it say, is, is creepier than you could imagine. So Woody Allen says, this is on page six. Woody Allen says his 23-year relationship with Soon Yi Previn worked because of their previous parent-child relationship. I'm 35 years older, and somehow, through no fault of mine or hers, the dynamic worked. Really? Really? So a guy who believes that his previous parent-child relationship is what helped his marriage succeed for 23 years. For real? That is insane. And, and you know, celebrities are going to come out and defend that? <laughs> and the whole culture in Hollywood is is bad. It's, it's really sad. And so be careful. You know, what you can do is your best effort. So, you know, so don't be lazy. Don't be careless with your kid, but also recognize that, man, you may even try your best. It doesn't mean you're going to protect them 100%. It just doesn't mean that. The next thing I would encourage you if you're going to try to protect your children from a child predator, and before I go there, I'm going to post another thing through all of my social media channels. Call. So give me a call. I'm taking your questions live right now. Dial 646-668-8385, and I will see your number pop up, and I will answer it, and I will take your question no matter what the question might be. So you might want to be mad at me for some of my opinions today. And I'm okay with that. It's totally fine. I mean, you know, I think I've heard by rumor that if you post pictures with your social media posts, that uh, increases engagement. So I'm going for it right now. There's a cool picture with this thing. So here it goes. This sucker's going out on Facebook, Twitter, you name it. It's all out there now. Again, that dial-in number is 646-668-8385, and I look forward to your question. So all you can do is your best. 
don't be naive. That's the big one. Don't assume that nobody in your circle, that nobody in your sphere of influence or your friends or your neighbors or family members, a lot of a lot of sexual abuse and, and really the majority of sexual abuse and, and crimes against children happens from family members. So you don't want to be naive that, you know, to where you can trust even, you know, even potentially your own kid, but a cousin, an uncle, an aunt. You don't always know who it is. And, you know, unfortunately, in in my own life, I had a, a pretty good friend. I mean, we weren't great friends, but I definitely would have called his friends. He was a camp director, and we lived in the same town together. I won't give a lot of details I don't want to drag all that stuff through again. But, I mean, I knew this guy pretty well. And it turned out that he had been, he had, he had abused, I think it was something like 37 young boys around the age of 15 over the course of years. And I'm just going to tell you, everybody, I had no clue. In fact, what is really sad is I was so clueless. I mean, I had never once picked up in any creepy vibe, any inappropriate words or statements that he may have made. He, frankly, I never witnessed any inappropriate actions, right? Nothing. Never heard anything. And this guy ended up abusing 37 young boys. And I was so blind to this that, oh, my oldest my oldest kid, when he was about nine or ten, was going through some stuff. And I asked this friend to take my son out to breakfast just to mentor him a little bit. That's how totally oblivious I was to what he was doing. You know, what was the secret thing in the dark that nobody knew about for a long, long time. Until finally a boy came forward and then it all got uncovered. And so, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a professional, and I didn't see it. And I, you know, I ended up having to have a conversation with my son because I had to ask. We, you know, we had to have that conversation. I had to ask him. I had to tell him what had happened because he really liked this guy. You know, he really looked up to him. And so I had to tell him what had happened and what he was in trouble for. And, and then I had to ask, are you okay? You know, did anything ever happen with you? And that's where you've got to make sure your child feels safe. Because if you're, and what I mean is that you got to make sure your child feels safe with you emotionally. Because if you're hypercritical, hyperjudgmental, hypercontrolling, if you tend to not respond well to mistakes that your child makes, then they're not going to feel safe around you. And that means they're not going to be really willing to share. You're not setting them up to share the really hard stuff that goes on in life. And so you're, you know, as a parent, if you want to protect your children from these, these predators, you, you got to do the work. You got to put the energy in into the relationship with your kid so that they know, hey, I will always love you. And what I have told my kids their entire life, over and over and over again, if not every week, my children have heard there's nothing you could ever do that would make me stop loving you. Nothing. And when they were young, I, you know, have funny scenarios, you know, like, whatever you could poop in public and I'm still going to love you. Or I think one time I was like, you could eat a, a live frog and I'm still going to love you. And I kind of make it a fun game. But even as they've grown older, I've really shown them because of the mistakes that every kid makes. No family is perfect. No kid is perfect. And so I've had opportunities, real opportunities with them. To, you know, where they've really blown it and they've really hurt my feelings or they've really made a poor decision in life. 
And, you know, I can credit my mother for this one. So I don't always give Norma Jean Smalley enough credit. But that was one of the things as I got married and was starting to have kids that she made sure I understood that, hey, when the really big mistakes occur, you got to get those right as a parent. Right? You know, you, whatever. I mean, you get that call from the police station and your kid's in jail because they were drinking and driving. I got to, as a parent, I got to get that moment right. I can't blow those moments. And you blow those moments when you escalate, when you freak out, when you start shaming and condemning and criticizing and you, you, you become punitive where you're just punishing them to hurt them because either you're hurt or you're embarrassed and you're just trying to cause injury. You're just, you know, you're just trying to wound them. That's how you blow those moments. Those are the moments when your kid calls you from jail because he was drinking and driving that you got to get right, that you got to go be able to pick them up. It doesn't mean you excuse it. It doesn't mean they don't have consequences. What it means is you got to handle yourself well. You have to do the right thing. Because if you don't do the right thing, well, why are they going to do it? We had to model those things. And so, you know, you're going to make mistakes. But when it comes down to the really, really big errors or the big things that happen to your child, those are the moments that you got to buckle down and do it right. And you got to be loving and you got to be understanding. And you need to take your time and not just start throwing up consequences, right? You need to give it a moment. You got to give yourself a chance to breathe because there could be a day when something happens and your child is a victim of something and you're going to want them to be able to come to you. You want them to be able to share with you anything that happens. I remember one of my kids once, very young, probably five, six years old, and we were just goofing off, and we'd had a kind of a, not a really good friend from school, but someone they wanted to invite over to play with, and so we had him over. We didn't really know the kid, didn't really know the parents, and so they had spent, on their little play date at our house, they'd spent some time upstairs alone in the toy room. And he didn't think anything of it. Nothing had ever happened before. It was a couple days later, and uh, I was playing with my kid, and we were laughing and goofing off. I think I was playing this game I called SmackDown, where they jump on the bed, and I take a pillow and whack them so they fall. But we were just wrestling, having fun, laughing, and I went into the thing I just shared. Do you know how much daddy loves you? Yes. Do you know there's nothing you could ever, 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 ever do that would make me to stop loving you no matter what? No matter what you do, no matter whatever happens to you, I will always love you. That was the moment when my kid said, I need to tell you something. And the next thing you know, my child is sharing with me how their friend, same age, Never reported having any problems at school. Had never really had any problems with my kid. Had grabbed my child in the privates and squeezed really hard and and looked my child right in the eye and said, don't you ever tell anybody or I'll hurt you. There's a five-year-old talking like that, behaving like that. And clearly this child was being abused by somebody. And by the way, most child predators were abused as children by somebody. And you know why they're now abusing other kids? Because they never got that wound addressed. They never got that they never they never allowed that wound to get healing. They never got help. They maybe tried to share and they were rejected by their family or they were called liars. I have a friend who's in a foreign country who was abused by an uncle and when he went to his parents and said what the uncle was doing because he because the uncle did that with his younger brother he got kicked out of the house they so didn't believe him 
that they got enraged and kicked him out of the house for that. I mean, that set him on a course of a lot of years of disastrous behavior and coping from that wound. And so I don't despise that kid for hurting my kid. It was a pretty brief moment, but still, obviously, this is a couple, two, three days later, and it bothered my child enough to bring it up. But think of the moment or the circumstance in which my kid brought it up. It was when my child felt felt most safe with me. That's when my kid was able to share what had happened. So, of course, I hugged him and said, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, and I love you. And, and we dealt with it, and we talked about it, and we went through forgiveness. And, and of course, that day, I went solo to the kid's house to talk with the parents and say, hey, something is wrong. I wasn't going to kick this can down the road and ignore it. And unfortunately, when I got to the house, they had moved. So I, I didn't know their last name. I didn't know where they had moved. The neighbors didn't know where they had moved. And so one of, you know, one of the key things you have to do with your kids is make sure they feel safe. Because when they feel safe, they're going to be open. And they're going to be willing to share with you their failures and the things and the experiences of the people who have failed them and who haven't loved them well or that have hurt them, they're going to come to you because they feel safe. They know that no matter what, no matter what has happened to me, no matter what I've done in life, my parent, my dad, my mom has told me over and over and over again that they love me. Over and over again that there's nothing I can do that would ever ever make my mom or dad stop loving me. And so when you create that kind of a safe relationship, that helps protect your children from predators. I think even just having a generally, you know, my just talking for myself, I haven't had a perfect relationship with my kids. I got three of them. The oldest one is probably, well, not probably, (laughs) He's the one who struggled with the most. And so I've blown it with my son so many times. But I'll tell you, and you could ask him. I should even, you know, I try to get him on the show right now and ask it myself since no one else is calling. But, you know, I think about as many times as I've blown it, there would be an equal amount of times that I've gone back to repair it with him. Those are the things. That's what really matters in your relationship is that when you make a mistake, you acknowledge it. Because if you, if you are causing as a parent, if you are causing wounds on your child's heart, you know, bitterness, unresolved anger, hurt, shame, condemnation, well, man, you're setting them up to get taken advantage of. Right? I mean, you know, you know the stories of girls and women who were never accepted by their father and how they kind of many times can go from one hurtful, abusive relationship to another. And that's because there's some wounds from dad on their heart that they haven't, they haven't got any healing from yet. And so when we're not doing our job at repairing the hurts and the mistakes we make with our kids, when we're not doing our job to make sure they know we love them no matter what, and they suffer, and we, we set them up to fail, we set them up, it's, you know, maybe a, a good analogy would be when, when our kids are wounded and their hearts are wounded and it's dripping blood, you, you know, you've heard about the hammerhead sharks, I think it's the hammerhead sharks that can, you know, sense or smell or whatever, a drop of blood from like a mile away. Well, that's a predator. And so if you're wounding your children, you got to just imagine they're just dripping blood into the pond of life and all the predators. 
they can smell it, they can see it, they can feel it, and they come after it. So whatever we want, you know, as parents, the last thing we want to do is set our children up to fail. And so that's why it's our responsibility to take care of our part, to take care of our relationship with our kids so we don't set them up to fail. Now, ultimately, our kid has to take responsibility for their life, and they're going to have to overcome our deficiencies and our mistakes. And it's hard. Oh, it's painful. But ultimately, they got to, you know, they got to grow up, right? I've used this numerous times with, with young adult clients or even as one time the kid, I think, was 13. And at one point, I got to tell them, get over it. And I, and I only would ever make that kind of statement when they fully know that I love them and care about them and want to help. But it's the truth. At some point, I got to go, my parents are a disaster. They've been horrible, maybe even evil. I had one young man, he was 15 years old, and he was doing heroin, and his parents were evil, were terrible human beings, abusive emotionally and physically. And after many meetings with this kid and all this self-destructive behavior, I finally just went, buddy, get over it. And he was like, what What do you mean? I'm like, what do you mean? I go, your parents are a nightmare. They have, they have done everything wrong, but you're only hurting yourself, man. You're not punishing them with heroin. You're hurting yourself. At some point, you have to acknowledge that, hey, my parents aren't what I deserve, so I got to move on. I got to get over this thing. And I got to start making some better choices in my life. I'm not a victim. Right? People can do things against me and hurt me, but I am not a victim. I do not have to live as a victim because some wackadoo hurt me. I can recover. And a big part of that recovery is going to be forgiveness. Am I willing to move on? and release this hurt and this pain and stop allowing that person to control me anymore. And that's really sad, especially when a lot of these kids grow up and they've never taken responsibility for their life or if they've never gone through the act of forgiving that person who wounded them. Man, that, that perpetrator, that predator could be dead. And he's still asserting control over their life. But the only control is what they've given. So at some point, i got to realize, I'm going to take the control back of my life. I'm going to forgive this thing. I'm going to drop it. I'm going to move forward. And if you're, if you're struggling and if you're listening to this show today, I just encourage you, this is when a relationship with Christ becomes critical. And especially for the big wounds, especially if you were wounded as a child or you had a sexual crime committed against you. These are big, gigantic, open, gaping wounds that honestly only Christ can fill. And so give, give Christ access to that wound. And I promise you, I know you're thinking right now, there's no way I could ever forgive that person. No way. I will never forgive my father. I will never forgive my uncle, my aunt, my mom for abandoning me. Never. Well, you may have a really poor understanding of what forgiveness is because it ain't for the predator. It's not for the person that hurt you. It's for you. It's you acknowledging, hey, what was done to me was wrong, but I am no longer going to allow that to define me. And if you just give Christ access, it's through that relationship with Jesus Christ where you'll be able to experience the forgiveness. You'll be able to forgive the unforgivable. And so it's okay. I've had so many clients over the years go, I can't do it. And I just look at them 
with compassion, I'll just say, well, yeah, of course you can. It's way too big, but Christ can. And I'll just look and say, are you willing to trust him to do it? And we'll just pray a very simple prayer. I'll just pray together with him and just say, hey, Lord, I don't know. I know, I frankly, Lord, I know I can't forgive this person, but I know I have to. So I'm just going to ask that you do it for me. And so I'm going to ask that you forgive this person through me. In Jesus' name, amen. And then allow Christ to do what Christ does. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He loves you. He's going to care for you. And I'm telling you, it's a great mystery. But he'll do it. And I don't know how. I don't know what the timeline is. But he does it. I mean, there's testimony after testimony after testimony. And you don't have to live in shame or condemnation or pain or woundedness because Christ has come to heal those wounds if you would only give him access. Well, even though I didn't get a live call in today, I next week will do a significantly better job at preparing you, the listening audience, that I'm going to be taking live calls. So hopefully next week I'll get some more action on the phone lines. But until then, I wish you all the happiness and that your relationships can be everything you dreamed they would be. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk with you next week. Point out the colors of you, I see them too, and boy, I like them, I like them, I like them. We way too fly to partake in all this hate, we out here vibing, we vibing, we vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Hey, DC, right now at VisionWorks, all prescription eyewear, every frame, every brand is 50% off. Yup, a nifty 50% thanks to our friends and family event. What's even better, it applies to both glasses and sunglasses. That's right. At the VisionWorks friends and family event, you can save 50% on all prescription eyewear. Why? Because we like you, DC. A lot. VisionWorks, we're here to help you. Some restrictions apply. See store for details.